1: post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today now a special talk radio 1210 wpht presentation it's reading writing and reason now here's your host dom giordano hey
3: everyone welcome into reading writing and reason dom giordano with your you, weekly podcast and boy we're gonna see we're just on the cusp of seeing big battles going on with local school boards don't forget central bucks west I, I will be on that. We'll get the president back on before the election out there. It's making national news. But joining me this week was Kurt Cameron, who's had quite a few run-ins with libraries and drag queens and things of that nature. But we talked about this Brave Books series and quite an unusual one that Kurt Cameron was on to talk about. Here's what Kurt Cameron told me about this book, how to get it, and how it helps your child or grandchild. Kirk, welcome back to Philadelphia. Thanks for
2: joining us today. Hey, man. Um, great to be joining you guys, too. You gave a lot of descriptives there for uh, for Mike Seaver, all grown up. And, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of other people who would add some other descriptives, like idiot, um, <laughs> you know, ext- extreme religious fanatic, homophobe. Uh, well, that's you know, my. That'll uh, be my
3: second. Uh, Christian foray. nationalist. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. have
2: all kinds of descriptors we could throw in there.
3: So when you get that, uh, I mean, it, it, you get a question along those lines, other than just throwing from afar. How do you, particularly that last one, uh, Kirk, where you said Christian nationalist? What what do you say to that?
4: Yeah.
2: Well, let's see. I I, uh, I think people need to just take a step back, take a breath and say, what are you, what are, what are you really saying? I mean, do you love uh, the idea of liberty and freedom and prosperity to have a podcast like this, to have a radio show or to be able to have a job where you can provide for your family and have some extra so you could give to your neighbors? Uh, if you want that kind of liberty and prosperity, you don't get that living in a totalitarian country. You get that where you have a nation that's built on a constitutional republic like this. So I love my nation. So uh, that, that's different than worshiping your nation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and Christianity is the taproot that produced the sweet fruit of liberty. All our founders understood that, even the most irreligious and non-Christian of all of them. So in that sense, I'm a Christian. I love my nation. And uh, that's why I have the chance to write kids' books about love, joy, peace, even if some drag queens and Marxist library directors don't want me there.
3: And that's not a, just a figure of speech ahead of the American Library Association. is a self-described Marxist.
2: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And, yeah. and you know what's you know, just so, uh, so ironic is, is that it's only in a country that is built on the kinds of values that I'm trying to highlight in my book that you can have people who can champion values like diversity and inclusion and equity. Go to North Korea. There's no diversity, equity, inclusion. And if you're a lesbian, if you are a minority and a woman, uh, you don't have many rights at all. So it's the very values you're trying to shut out of your library are the values that give you the opportunity to say what you're saying. So people need to understand that, and I'm, I'm trying to help adults do that and help kids learn to love their enemies.
4: I, uh, uh, you, you know, I, Kirk, I just want to say keep ignoring it because I, I, I'm a guy who grew up with you on the TV. I, I loved watching growing pains growing up. And, and now I see you out there fighting for values that I, I, I grew up with. It, there's so much change going on in this school that, uh, you know, we're about to bring kids into the world, me and my wife. And, and I'm, I'm scared to send them into the public schools. Yeah. And what you're putting out there, man, these, these kids' books uh, you know, it's great for kids to see because it, it's values that are true to America, man. It, so, so keep ignoring it. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. So,
3: so Kirk, let's talk yep. about this book, though, this this current book, uh, the Brave Book Series, and where we can get it. Now, uh, this one, to me, uh, is a little bit different. And we set up the scenario where a kid has to make a decision, and the decision is to kind of help the, I don't know if we'd say adversary, maybe adversary, or the opponent in a contest.
2: That's right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, kids are are, are watching their parents just come unglued. They're blowing their stack and stripping gears watching Trump and Biden and and Palestinians and Israelis fight over everything. And what are they to infer is the strategy on how you deal with those with whom you disagree or in competition with. And this is a book that's going to teach kids with a really fun story, beautiful illustrations, how to love your enemies. Real quick story, in Washington, D.C., several years ago, I witnessed – An older man and woman explained their gut-wrenching story of how their son was murdered by a gang member. They then introduced a young man who got up to the microphone and said that he was in a gang as a young man and was thrown in prison after committing a crime and was visited by the couple that introduced him. Turns out they're the parents of the kid that he murdered. And they told him that because of their love for God and his forgiveness, they didn't hate him. And when he got out of prison, they adopted him as their son legally Mm -hmm. and loved him. And he explained that loving your enemies changed his life. This is what inspired me to write this book. And um, I think that if we can teach our kids that, they can have the genuine belief that there is an optimistic future for them.
3: Well, without a doubt. Now, uh, I think uh, you know our stance. We love what you're doing. But I I wanted to – I don't know about challenge – but I did see here, and you are open to talking about Israel and the Hamas war. I agree with you on the kids' book. It's a great point, a hard point, but absolutely what kids need to hear. How do you do that, though? We don't want to have, between Israel and Hamas, this moral equivalency.
2: Yeah. No, there there can be no moral equivalency. I'll say that three times fast, between truth and error, between good and evil. Once, once you swap good for evil and evil for good, or even equate them, uh, you're in for a disaster. But what I think we can do is we can take a lesson from Jesus who said, um, you know, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, but I say to you, love your enemy and do good to those who hate you. And you'll be like your father in heaven who sends the sun to rise on the good and the evil and sends the rain to water the crops of the righteous and the unrighteous. If we can perfect the art of loving people, even if we vehemently disagree with their ideologies, we can tear down wrong systems, but we can also have compassion and love toward people trapped in those systems. Uh, Where would I be if God torched all of his enemies? I would be a pile of cinders right now, but he extended an olive branch that's called grace. And by faith, I grabbed a hold of it. And that changed my heart. It changed that young man in prison's heart. And I think we've got to teach that lesson to our kids at a fundamental ideological level.
3: What age level, uh, Kirk Cameron, would you say this book is geared to with this um, contest uh, between these two kids? Well, not kids. Yeah. Uh, Stuart the giraffe, for example. Are these yeah. like five to seven-year-olds You're you're looking for here? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's right there in the bullseye. You know, I, I'd say five to five to seven, four to eight, mm-hmm. right around there. And, um, and what's really cool is that the, the company that I'm working with, Brave Books, uh, they have this cool book of the month club where dozens and dozens of books all have the same characters living in the same universe called Freedom Island. And uh, all the stories tie together and teach lessons with a pro-God, pro-America value and if people go to bravebooks.com, they can get a new book sent to their front door every single month, including getting my book free about loving your enemies.
3: How about the library now? Um, how's that going, Kirk? I mean, it was huge what you were able to accomplish the last time we talked with you. We have Riley Gaines on. The stuff that went on was remarkable. I'm sure it touched a lot of people. And again, to the theme of today, it was done not in the spirit of confrontation.
2: Yeah, so we were crisscrossing the nations and visiting these public libraries. Riley Gaines was a rock star, um, and, and so were other authors who really stood up for what was right and good and parents supported in droves. Uh, we had an event called See You at the Library, which was attended by thousands of parents in 46 states, over 330 libraries participated. And it was my take on See You at the Pole, where communities Mm. would gather at the flagpole of a public school and pray. These parents got together to sing and to pray and to read stories of virtue to children. It was a huge success. The ALA tried to shut it down. And now we're coming out with some surprises later this year that are going to be um, really opening up public schools uh, and book fairs to be uh, fertile ground for some uh, s- s- some new beginnings.
3: Great stuff, and I think the best place to go then is bravebooks.com, as you said. Yes. Uh, you can check out this uh, edition, this new book, but certainly once you get this going, uh, kids would be thrilled with the Book of the Month Club.
2: Yeah, that's right. And uh, listen, I, I before we jump off, I'm so thankful for you guys and, and what you're doing. I love how our founder, John Adams, said, it does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. So keep doing what you're doing. Let's set brush fires of freedom and faith and courage and integrity and humility, and uh, we can let the cards fall where they fall from there.
3: Kurt, thank you so much. Anytime, anything that we can come on and further that and further what you're doing. Uh, Just let us know. We'd love to uh, see you here in Philadelphia at some point. But thank you, and thanks for the great work.
2: All right. Thank you. God bless you
3: guys. All right. That's our first guest this week here on Reading, Writing, and Reason.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47
0: new voicemails.
1: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
3: All right, our second guest this week, Rick Short Jr. and his attorney, Thomas DeVola, have filed a lawsuit, a federal lawsuit, against Cherry Hill School District over this Pronoun policy, but I think it's also the broader issue of um, parental rights on just about anything or anything involving their child versus hiding that from the parents. I mean, what is the argument other than they seem to have the infrastructure in New Jersey that allows them to get away with this? So this is uh, big. It's not just Cherry Hill, it's statewide. Let's go to Rick and Thomas Devola, his attorney on Talk Radio 1210. Thomas, um, What is it that the school district in general has as a policy as kind of a defense or rationale? Phil Murphy once said in an interview something about protecting and he never, you know, he just screamed it out. That was it. The civil rights of the kids. Is that their defense?
0: Right. So they're they're framing it as an issue of danger of outing the students to the parents, i.e. that it would negatively impact their health or mental health by revealing to the parents but the policy fundamentally inverts the constitutional standard by presuming that the parents are unfit to parent their kids which again is contrary to what the 14th amendment provides that there's a rebuttable presumption that parents are fit to parent their kids and in fact when you remove parents from the equation and you facilitate these double lives of secrecy which is what the policy does that leads to poor psychological outcomes. And this has been affirmed by psychiatric experts in the field, such as from Dr. Stephen Levine, who was an expert in our case. So is
3: this a policy that was public, or is it just in some of these school districts internal until someone finds out?
0: So these policies, this this policy is derived from the New Jersey guidance, the Department of Ed's guidance guidance, which was issued in in 2018 following the passage and enactment of a statute. And numerous school districts, over 500 school districts, adopted this policy. Some of them have abolished the policy over the past few weeks, but Cherry Hill still maintains it. So many parents may not even be aware that this policy exists, but the boards of education were responsible for for adopting these policies and in this instance cherry hill adopted this policy in 2019
3: uh rick short the dad so uh, rick what was your concern here is there some provoking incident that you found out or was this a general feeling that uh, it, uh flips things on the head to have schools hiding anything from the parents this kind of conspiracy is just out of bounds what happened why did you do
4: this Dom, you know, you know, Dom, you're never 100 percent. Right. So my son is a freshman. Uh, he goes into Cherry Hill West. Um, you know, he's having conversations with his counselor. And, you know, I, I'm ninety nine percent sure that, you know, I'm ninety nine percent sure that I, that I know my son. And, you know, so does the does the counselor have does the does a school counselor have the right to make, you know, Medical decisions, or, or or change names, or do whatever. I don't think they do. I mean, they, they've only known my son for a week, um, and you know, I've known my son for 14 years. So, I mean, th- that's the gist of it. That, you know, you had to have the the uh, school share information with a parent. It's just absurd.
3: So, did this actually happen with your son, Rick, or you're doing this? No, in a bro- in a, you're doing this in a broader context
4: yeah I, I'm, I'm doing this yeah i'm doing this in a broader sense i, I mean there, there there's other crazy things going on in cherry old schools like you know they're they're uh reading doc, doc dr seuss books and they're talking about the monkeys the cartoon monkeys in it that they're racist you know it's just there's there's some stuff going on in cherry old schools that that is not good and it's all ideologies you know and uh i, I don't trust the schools
3: all right, let's, uh, uh, Thomas. Uh, so, federal court. Uh, why that level? Why? Right. N- why not at the state level? Why did you go to the federal
0: level? Right. So, we we filed the suit in the federal district court of New Jersey because of the fact that the Fourteenth Amendment right is at stake here, namely a fundamental right that has been long enshrined by the Constitution as highly regarded and protected, a parent parent's right to direct their children's medical decisions, which in this case, we're talking about when a student expresses a desire to change their gender identity, which is fundamentally a psychotherapeutic intervention, as experts have said, so this issue is squarely within the purview of parents and should should be controlled by parental authority and we're not seeking to exclude schools from the conversation there should be a bilateral stream of communication but parents need to know they need to have notification of what's happening and their consent needs to be obtained before their kid changes or expresses a desire to change their gender identity
3: so you're in discovery mode now i would assume around this you've discovered some things about this policy We've spoken to people in the Pennsylvania suburbs where their suit or their uh, pushback, Thomas, was that the school district went so far as to white out the name on test papers coming home, things of that nature, because of what the kid had put on that he wants in schools. So how far does this go with the policy? We know what they're saying, that if the kid wants it here, we will not tell the parents Do they do anything else to keep it secret? How does it remain an open secret in the school when the parents don't know?
0: Well, basically, the policy itself delineates that at at the, 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 the school counselors, the school personnel or principals are directed to have these confidential conversations with the students about their gender identity preferences, their name, their pronoun preferences and At at their request, those changes will be made in all the school records, the files, the files, etc., so that teachers and, and other individuals will then begin calling the student his preferred, his or her preferred name or pronoun, and this information is then kept confidential from parents and schools have no affirmative duty to report these changes back to the parents. So a gender identity change could occur and this could continue for months or years without knowledge uh, on the parent's end of of their child's change in gender identity.
3: Uh, Rick, uh, your kids, I, I think you have uh, several or at least one you told us about the Cherry Hill Public Schools how do they uh feel about this? Uh you know, you mentioned the guidance counselor situation. What did they tell you about it?
4: Well, the first day of school, my son came uh, this is the first day of ELA, In- English language arts, and he's like, Dad, they made me they, they made me to say my pronouns. I didn't want to do it. And I'm just like shaking my head, I cannot believe it. And and they hit it, you know. They're hidden, so I, I don't know where that record went. This was this was an English class. You, you had to tell me your pronouns, and wow. uh, you know he didn't want to do it. So
3: yeah, at least so Rick, Rick the, you think p- the policy p- ought to insanity. be look if if you want to change your pronouns from your biological sex at birth, and you want to do that, all uh, right? That's that's another issue we're facing here without parental knowledge. But to make everybody have to go through the print, that's why I was asking you it. There's a resentment I have hearing that that I got to go through something here that, uh, you know, if I don't want to do it, there's some penalty that appears to be here.
4: Right. Absolutely. I mean, I you know you, you have to you have to listen to what your teacher tells you what to do, right? Yeah. I, you know, absolutely. Teacher says I, I want your pronouns, everybody, and everybody had to give their pronouns, and you know, it goes into some database, and and I know the uh, New Jersey. Uh, uh, DoE saves their data for a hundred years, so you know who, who gets <laughs> to say it. We don't. Yeah, exactly. We don't know. You know. Well, and, and I'm, comes, a, I'm you asking you questions like
3: stuff. this because I'm trying to illustrate, and you guys know this. You're actually doing it. This is much broader than just the one issue of what they were doing here in one school district. This federal suit right. can expose the mach- the infrastructure, the industrial complex. Once you go down this path, attorney, then you have to do all these other things. Teachers, for example, who may object to calling someone that's not their biological sex, they would get into trouble, I guess, if they don't ask and then have to go down that path.
0: That is correct. The, the guidance and as through adopted by the policy, once the gender identity changes have occurred, the teachers and other school personnel are then directed to call the student by their preferred name Slash pronouns, so teachers and other personnel would be compelled to comply with those changes per, per this policy and the New Jersey guidance. So this is exactly what this part of what the suit challenges is: this the lack of consent notification to the parents that the parents need to be involved in the matter.
4: Well, without a and doubt, Dom, Dom, yes. Dom, Dom, don't forget it's also the the school board members too. I mean, you know, the the, the right people to pick is Jen. Nick and Jack and Cherry Hill and then to go to newjerseyproject.org. Um they they they're the right parent plus people. You know, they they care about parents' rights. Those candidates and and people on those websites. Well,
3: so they did this at a school board meeting uh Thomas, is that where it was passed or is this more informal
0: uh, of what the execution of all this? Yes, that the, the The policy 5756 was adopted and formalized at a school board meeting in 2019 in Cherry Hill. And this policy 5756, the language of it is directly derived from the New Jersey guidance, which is the model policy that the commissioner of the Department of Education was directed to create back in 2018 following the signing of a statute. So these these policies that the schools have implemented are ultimately derived from the DOE, which is why they're named as a defendant Ah. in my suit. And the DOE,
3: Department of Education, is not mandating this. It's suggested.
0: It it is, technically speaking, non-binding guidance. However, most schools adopted it, thinking it was mandatory following its issuance. And although some have recently abolished it, many schools still have it in place. And again, its it, it, its contents are unconstitutional, given the fact that it it compels schools to conceal this information from the parents.
3: Absolutely. Well, please uh, keep us in the loop as this develops. I know it takes a while for the lawsuit. Will we will do. We'd be happy to have you back. And Rick, thank you for doing this. I think it's long overdue, and it may have repercussions well beyond your own uh, child and the school district, so thank you. Okay, thank you, Dom. And I think this lawsuit is going to win. I just don't see any way we can continue down this path, and that's where all these school board races come in, not just in Jersey, but in Pennsylvania. Make sure you vote in them, and make sure you vote for the person that says no, a school cannot lie to the parent. You just can't do that. And tell other people about where they can find this podca- podcast. We bring you the best, like Kurt Cameron this week, every single week. Look for it wherever you get your podcast and the station's website. It's reading, writing, and reason.